0: Well, it's a privilege to be back at our home church. Amen? Amen? Kind of weird because I was telling the pastor earlier that, you know, uh, we have a sending church in Baltimore, but we've always, in our whole missionary career, we've been at this church more than our sending church. And uh, it is a privilege and a pleasure to be back here with so many folks we know. It really wasn't a planned trip, and, uh, but, but the Lord was good to us and uh, allowed us to come back here. And uh, it's good to know, too, and see the progress uh, that this church has made. I understand your services now run until 2.30 on Sundays. That's great. <laughs> and I was able to add a couple extra books to the Bible in that message. Amen, man. We'll get going with that. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for, for allowing us to come. Thank you for the missionary apartment that you have here. That's a help to us. You know, we... We didn't use the missionary apartment much in our career because we had our in-laws here, uh, Mike and Arlene Padolka. They were here, and we stayed with them all the time. And of course, they're gone now. In a situation like we just had, where my wife's brother-in-law passed away, everyone comes in. You don't know where people are going to stay, and uh, we didn't really plan to, to 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 come out either. And so, uh, every you know, all the relatives fill up all of the bed space and everything. So. Even though it wasn't the fact that we were out on deputation, it was a benefit to us uh, that we're not having to worry about uh, where we've got to sleep, where we're going to put people, and so on. Myself, I, I don't really care where I sleep, to be honest with you. I sleep on the floor. I sleep on the floor a lot anyway. Uh, and uh, it's just, I'm not too picky, but you know, it's just not everybody's the same way. And so you got to take care, especially you've got women and children coming in, you got to take care of them. But uh, it is a privilege to be here. I want to tell you a little bit about what, what, what's going on. Um, right now, we've been concentrating on the church in Horebacoa in the Dominican Republic. That's where our focus, <clears throat> excuse me, where our focus is. And uh, I got something in my throat. And so, just, no, I'll be all right. But I don't want to cough into the microphone, you know, and everybody goes like that. <laughs> <coughs> so, yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. You've had that guy up here before that's preaching and goes (coughs) and coughs right into the microphone, and the whole church goes, (laughs) just like, like the church hit a bump, you know. Um, But we're concentrating on the church in Harbuckle. We're trying to. We've done a lot of changes at the church in Uh, Harbuckle. We've uh, actually the interior of that church. uh, We've had to tear that out and kind of redo that with a lot of. We put in a lot of new wood. And uh, we have two congregations at that church. We have a Haitian congregation and we have a Dominican congregation. So we did have for a long time, we had the Haitian congregation in the morning and the Dominican congregation in the afternoon. But because of that, we weren't able to have Sunday school with the Dominicans. And that was our weaker congregation. The Haitian congregation is much stronger. They're a second generation uh, church and a third generation church. And by that, I mean uh, most of the people who come to that Haitian church, they grew up in church. And so they're already well established in their Christian lives. Uh, The Dominican church is all first generation Christians. We only have one guy that comes to that church who actually grew up in church. Everyone else is either a new Christian or not saved yet, or they got saved later on in life. And so when we have children, we have 50 children there, their parents aren't there with them. Their parents send them. And the kids don't know how to behave in church, you know, and some of them behave well, and some, like every kid in the world, you know, some of them. You know, some of them, you know that the father isn't present in the home because his father is the devil and he's out doing something (laughs) because the kid acts like that. You know, you get those too. You know what? Those kids need the Lord too. Amen. So our Dominican congregation is the weakest congregation. So we switched around. We put our Dominicans on uh, Sunday morning because we weren't having Sunday school and church. We were just having one long church service and we were trying to put elements of Sunday school into that, like a memory verse and things like that. Uh, into our sunday night service with our dominicans so now we've switched it we put the haitians and the haitians have very very long church services you know uh, with the haitian church we'd still be singing okay we don't do verses one three and five all right if there's five verses we're singing five and if we like verse number four we might sing that three times before we go to verse number five and now that's just no joke man they just sing and sing and sing and they sing good they sing better than the dominicans too you know the dominicans the Haitians, they really, man, they raise the roof singing, you know. And the Dominicans, uh, not so much. And uh, really, they, they're just, uh, I'm trying to get them doing better too, but it's tough with the Dominicans. But uh, our, our Dominican congregation is a weaker, younger church. And so, uh, of course, I'm in touch with, we have our, our, my nephew is there now with his wife helping us on the mission field. And they did the youth last night, and I got a message from them. They had 14 at youth last night. But of the 14 young people who came to youth last night, not one of those young people have parents who come to church. Now, I'm, trying, I'm saying these things to help you understand the difference of the work that we have there and the work you have here. The vast majority of the young people who come to your youth program come to your youth program because the parents come to church. Is that not true? parents bring the kids to church. The parents bring the kids to the youth program. Our children, our young people, they come to the youth program in spite of their parents. Their parents would be just as happy if the kid never came. They just don't care if the kid's ever come or not. As a matter of fact, uh, we have a problem where they'll be in our children's program until they turn 14. When they turn 14, they'll they're, they're actually being in the youth by then, but the parents will pull them out. This happens uh, with the young girls. The, the parents will pull them out of church when they turn 14, send them to the Catholic church to go through the catechism so they can have their uh, uh, first communion, dress them up, give them their first communion, and the moment they turn 15, they put them out in the street. Put them out in the street to get a man. We've lost several young people that way. And the parents will let those kids come to church all that time, and then they won't let them come back to church anymore no because now they got to get their first communion so that when they turn 15, they can put them out in the street to get a man. And we've lost young people that way. Now, some of those young people come back later, but not all of them. You know, imagine how tough it is. We just we have one of the guys who has been a young person in our church. His mom and dad don't come to church. They've come for special things and all that. But, you know, he's been coming to church now for a couple of years. He made a profession of faith. But now he wants to go live with a girl, and his mom and dad are okay. They're like, yeah, you need to go. Because actually he brought the girl home to live with him. And they're like, you're not living in our house and eating our food. You've got to go get your own place to go live. The, kid, the kid's a minor. The, her parents, you know, her parents said, you're not living with us, go rent a place. So now they live upstairs in another house, a young man, a young woman living together. And how do you combat that when the mom and dad say it's okay for the girl and the mom and dad for the boy say it's okay too? That's the kind of environment we have. So every person we get in that church is a victory. So we moved our Dominican congregation down to Sunday morning. And uh, so now our Sunday, now our, our, our services, our order of services at the, Dominic, at the uh, Harabacoa church or we have, starting on Sunday morning, we have Sunday school at 9.30, just like you guys do. Church is at 10.30. We try to end by 12. By the time we end, the Haitians are there for their young people's program. Their young people's program runs till 4. Sunday school starts from 4 till 6. And then church runs from 6 o'clock until they finish, which is usually 9 o'clock at night. And that's typical Sunday at the, at the church in Harba and then uh, where there's a service at the church in Harbacoa. There's a service on Tuesday night. There's a service on Wednesday night. There's a service on Friday night. And then we have our activity on Saturday. On Friday night, we have our Dominican, uh, our Dominican college and career age. And we usually have, meet them somewhere besides the church because at the church, there's a Haitian Bible study at the church. Friday, on Saturday, they have the Haitian Sunday school meeting for the Sunday school teachers on one side with the Dominican youth on the other side. And that's very, very typical. So now tomorrow, there's a construction crew showing up. The Americans are already there. They're on the field already. And before I left, we had to get the building materials ready because we tried to expand some of the area in the back of the church that we're using for our children's area and uh, for our WANA program. We poured a great big cement slab. We put basketball hoops on it. But we, haven't got that pa- we haven't got that painted yet. And we're going to put the WANA You know that Iwana floor design on it we don't even use the awana material so much anymore but we kind of follow that awana program with the different colors we use some of their stuff and some of it not but we we have that uh children's program and then we've poured a a big long slab along the back of the church and we're putting a big roof over that to use that for a children's area too because there we don't have to worry about the cold or you know the heat you just got to keep them out of the sun out of the rain so we're using that back there so we'll be roofing that over and hopefully that'll be done Uh, While I'm gone, I'm hoping the construction crew that comes knows construction, be able to do it, and all their materials are there. So that's what's going on uh, in our absence. And then we have youth camp coming up. We'll have about 40 young people, Haitian young people, come up from the capital and be staying there in the youth camp that we're working on. We're also planning another trip over into uh, this gorge up in Haiti called Retel, going up uh, up into a very remote gorge, and we'll be planning that trip. Uh, probably for june or july we haven't got our dates uh set yet and it's a very um it's a it's one of these uh i call it expeditionary evangelism because it's a true expedition an old-fashioned expedition where you go in with with packs and mules and porters and you carry in all your gear and uh, you sleep in tents and uh it's it's amazing though and the, the amount of people that can be saved and and to go back into those remote areas and see, you know, people still living just like they did 200 years ago. And, uh, and, and they're very hungry to hear the gospel. So we have a lot of activities going on. We've got a lot of things happening. And uh, we still have other churches that we're trying to continue to help with construction and trying to help with money and pastors that we're trying to help. Uh, the church at Monte de Cotui is doing very well. Uh, that's the most recent church that we started. We started that church with a Dominican man that was already... Uh, Prepared, and then uh, he. after we had got along about two years there with him, uh, we went ahead and had him ordained, and now he's really there doing the work, and I just have to visit them occasionally. He's doing a good job, except they don't have their own building. Uh, We're in a rented space there, and eventually we'll have to resolve that. We really need to build another church building in the town of Harbokoa because we have two congregations, and we just don't have the time and the space uh, in that building to have both of those congregations going at the same time. So we've got a lot of other things on our, on our plate. We have the property still in Boca Chica. This church helped us in Boca Chica, and we've been continuing to add block. And, and now we have a man there uh, who is actually a Haitian man who had lived in the United States, and now he's retired, and he's going to uh, do his retirement living out there in Boca Chica, building up that church that this church went down there. Uh, to help us. It was the second trip this church took. I don't know how many of you were on that second trip where we were at Boca Chica. Is anybody here that was there at that Boca Chica? You remember how that was like a moonscape out there? And so we bought, you know, truckloads of fill. They call it caliche down there. Truckloads of fill that you, you go in there and fill and spread all that out to where we don't have to carry everything. Remember how we had to carry everything so far? And, um, we, we've we tried to resolve... We haven't ever resolved all of the, the, the disputes that require you uh, pulling your pistol and everything, but, you know, sometimes sometimes evangelism's different over there than it is over here, amen? Sometimes when you ask people, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? You're speaking real literal. So you have to... Uh, uh, but we'll get all... All that'll be resolved eventually, and, uh, you know, we had laid block after you guys had been there. We had laid block and really... Uh, marked our specific uh, land out very well uh, with concrete pillars uh, all around that. And then we actually had, I had gone to the guy who makes the tombstones where they pour these liquid cement tombstones with writing on them that tells when someone was born and died. And we had a plaque made that said, this land is reserved for a church. We had that plaque set in stone out there to keep squatters off of the property. And uh, that shanty that you guys had helped to build uh they had uh they kept stealing the roof off of that they would steal the roof off of this stupid thing so i went out and poured a cement roof uh on there we went out we had uh and the guys the guys came and stole the forms the night we poured the cement so that night while the cement was setting up they stole the forms out from under it and it kind of sagged but it's still there and uh, they stole the doors and the windows for the wood uh, those of you who were there know you know it's it's, it's a pretty remote area and when you call the police and say, hey, I've got a problem out here, they're like, well, get out of there. We don't go in there. What are you people out of your mind? Don't go back there. What are you over there for? Leave. You know, they don't, they don't say, well, wait, we're going to come help you. They're like, oh, you, you must be out of your mind. Leave. Don't go there. So we, uh, we poured a cement roof. And that was kind of funny because, you know, when I, I have a lot of building materials and I always have a stuff piled up. And so I... I uh, I write my name on it. Plywood's very expensive. So when you buy these three-quarter sheets of plywood, I usually write my name on the top and bottom half on both sides. That way, if I cut it, I still have my name on it. And the same thing with two-by-fours. You buy these long two-by-fours, I write W-L on both sides, or I write Lane on each end of them. And I do that on all my two-by-fours and all my plywood. And so, you know, you use plywood like that. You use two-by-fours. You might use it on, on several different, uh, several different jobs. I was just looking at some of my forms uh i was looking at some of my forms last week and i realized wow i've had those forms now for over 10 years and so some of these uh some of this wood you use over and over again you know and uh, i had uh, out at that job i had four sheets of three-quarter inch plywood now you guys that have lifted plywood know that three-quarter inch plywood that's not the lightweight stuff and i and i had a bunch of 16-foot two-by-fours and a guy comes in there and he carried away, in the middle of the night, he carried away four sheets of, of three-quarter-inch plywood, and he carried 16 16-foot 16 two-by-fours away. And he carried it through the bushes out there in that terrain, which to me is just phenomenal. I don't know how the guy didn't fall into a hole and die. But I don't know how many trips he made, okay? But he carried it through the bushes about as far as from here to the corner down here. And so in the morning, the guy that I had guarding the property called me. And I said, why didn't you go out there and stop him? Well, I was afraid. I thought he might have a gun. He might shoot me. You know, it was dark, and I couldn't see him, but he stole all the stuff. So I go down there, and uh, we get the cops, and we go drive around. And, you know, the guy worked so hard. He carried all the stuff, and he, like, dumped it into his yard, and he went to bed. He had nailed the 2 by 4s together. He had four by 4s at a time. So he had four 16-foot by 4s nailed together, carrying them through the bushes, sheets of plywood. I don't know if he carried them one at a time or not. I imagine. I can't imagine he could have carried them two at a time. But anyway, he carried four sheets of three-quarter-inch plywood and 16 16 16-foot two-by-fours and had dumped them in his yard and went in the house and went to sleep. And now I found them. They all got my name on them. And I show up with the cops, you know, and the cops are like, you want us to kill the guy? I go, no, no, I don't want to kill the guy, you know. Oh, good, we get to kill someone. I go, no, 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 I want to arrest him. I don't want to kill him. So the cops go and bang on the door and the guy jumps out the window and goes running down through that, all that thick brush and everything. And the cops are like running. They're shooting in the air and laughing. The cops were having a great time. And then, um, so we loaded back up on my wood. And then the cops, they said, you know, well, what do you want us to do if we catch him? I said, listen, if you catch that guy, because I was, I was amazed at the distance that guy carried that stuff over that terrible terrain at nighttime. I said, if you catch that guy, you call me. I want to hire that guy because, man, if he'll work that hard at night. <laughs> I can't imagine how good he'd be in the daytime. Man, that guy's got to be a worker. That's a worker. If he'd apply himself to actually work an honest work, man, i get all my stuff done. You call that guy. I want to give him a job, you know. Call me up. But they didn't call me up, you know. They kept half the wood, too, for evidence, you know. You never get it all back. Anyway, that's another thing. We have a lot of fun on the mission field. Amen? My wife, you know, she puts up with me over there. God bless her. We did find, we haven't had a lot of really crazy stuff going on too much. She did find a scorpion in our bed. We usually find scorpions like under the sink or, or in the shower or something. It was actually in the bed, you know, and, and her not being merciful. She killed it. I was like, honey, it's cold. It wants to be warm. She said, no, no, not here. But we haven't had a lot of things. You all be sure and talk to her and uh, speak to her before we all get out of here today and tell her Hi. It was an unplanned trip, but we're glad we're here. And I do very much appreciate the pastor giving the opportunity to speak. Let's take a look in our Bibles in the book of Mark chapter 5. I really only have one point here for you today. We're going to look in Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to tell you that we're going to give an invitation when we're done. Okay? And I've started doing that more and more because as I've traveled about, and even in my own ministry, I find that we, we tend to stop giving an invitation. I don't know why we've done that. But the idea of coming to church is to have some change in our lives. Amen? That's why we come here. We come here so we can be more like Christ, so we can change what needs to be changed, so we can do God's work better. So I give invitations. And so now I've not only started giving invitations, I've started telling everybody ahead of time, I'm going to give an invitation, so get ready. Okay? Because I'll tell you what we do. We like to do this. Uh, The Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. We, we know we should make a decision or we know we should make a change or we should ask for forgiveness or for some sin. Maybe God puts in our heart to pray for somebody. Uh, maybe maybe uh, God just telling us we've got to change something that we're doing or do something we're not doing, whatever it is. And we sit there in the pew and then when it's time to come forward, we, we do this routine. Well, I can pray right here in the pew. You never do that? Hey, I've been in church a long time too, I know. Well, I don't need to go down forward. I'll pray right here where I'm at. And unfortunately... I don't know why it's true, but I know it's true. Uh, It's not that that it has no effect at all when you're there. I don't want to discourage you from ever praying when the Holy Spirit's touching your heart. But I just know that it's true in my own life and in my observation of other people's life that there's a difference in your life, in that decision that you make, in that prayer that you pray. There is a difference when you walk down to this aisle and kneel and kneel before your God in humility and make that decision here there's something different about that commitment to that decision when you step out of that pew and go down front different than when you stand there gripping that pew and bow your head and pray and say okay Lord I know you touched my heart about this and here it is okay I'm going to make that decision I'm not going to go down front I don't know why that is but I know it's true and every old Christian in here knows that's true too. Every preacher I know knows that's true. Is that truth. I'm not a true, preacher? There's a difference in that decision. That's not to say that decisions aren't made out there that, that have an effect. Some of them are. But a lot of them are reserved. They're not true surrender to what God wants you to do. A lot of them have a reservation. It's okay, God, but. So we'll give an invitation. You think about that now. I got one of them big one point sermons. Yeah, I ain't going to beat you up with a whole bunch of stuff. You don't have to memorize ten things. In the book of Mark, chapter 5, we're going to read this passage here. Uh, in me in, uh, make sure I'm in the right spot here. Verse number 20, And he departed... And began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jarius by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of the physicians of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, I'm going to stop there because this message ain't going to go where you might think it's going to go. But let's pray and ask God to use His Word to touch our hearts and change our lives today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that uh, this thing that You've laid on my heart, that You can use the Holy Spirit to give me the words that I need to say to then bring this out to the folks that are here. I pray, God, that You will uh, let them see, Lord, what you've, what you've showed to me and help us to apply that to our hearts. God, that we can do things differently when we leave here than we have done before, use your word, use your Holy Spirit, Father, uh, to accomplish your work in the lives of folks here at Trinity Baptist this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In this passage of Scripture, I chose this passage of Scripture because it shows us something that is a phenomenon all around the world today. And it's amazing in this modern world in which we live where we have uh, the internet, and television and big screen TVs and big screens even out in public and uh, uh, access to all kinds of media and, and uh, radio and just always sound inundating us and, and access to this billion page library that they call the internet. If you want to know something, you just Google it. My, my kids are bad about that already. So I, wonder, I wonder about this and this. And they go, Dad, just Google it. They'll do what? Google, here, Dad, what was it? You know, I wonder if that old actor died. I'll check and see. He, yeah, he's still alive. Just got access to everything. It's amazing that in this modern age in which we live, that all across America and all across the world, people just like you come together in places just like this to actually hear a live person speak with their voice. The Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to spread His gospel. And that's because there's something different about that. I've never looked into it to study the psychology of it, but it's true. And so with all these other things, people gather around. And you know, in the time of Jesus and what you see here in Mark chapter 5, it wasn't a great deal different. I chose this because three times here, in verse 21, in verse 24, and in verse 27, it talks about how the people, how there was a multitude who came around Jesus. The people thronged him. That lady who wanted to be healed had to come in the press of the people that was there behind. And you can go through the life and the ministry of Jesus and see many times how people came and they thronged him and they pushed up against him. And if you were to go around this country today, if you look at the television preachers on the TV, you see them fill huge buildings up with people. Sometimes they fill a small storefront. might be a storefront with 35 or 40 people where people have come together to listen to a man speak. But in the life of Jesus, it was just the same. And here you see all of these people who have come around to be around Jesus. My question for you today, and what I want you to look at your own heart and your own life today, what I want you to think about today and think about if you need to change, here's your question. Why did you come to church today? Why'd you come here? Do you really think all those people who came to Jesus came to jesus out of love and admiration and adoration do you think all those people who came around jesus and surrounded him came to him because they wanted to uh, uh, be healed like the one lady did or because they came on behalf of someone else like the man came for his child no most of those people were there for other reasons and in this world today most people come to church for other reasons than what jesus wants us to come for The Bible tells us why we should come to church. The Bible tells us what example we should follow. My question to you is, why did you come here today? And if you didn't come here for the right reason, you need to change that today. You need to pray and ask God to forgive you and change your heart and show you what you need to do different today. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse number 10, Jesus said why He came. Jesus said this, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came. Why did you come? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was His purpose in coming here. Why did you come? Now, I'll tell you why Haitians come to church and Dominicans come to church. There's a lot of reasons why people come to church. a lot of reasons why you guys come to church, aside from the right reason. The the people that surrounded Jesus in Mark chapter 5, a lot of them were there for a lot of other reasons. You know, some of those people just probably come because they wanted to be near a famous person. If you were to put on the radio here uh, that, that, uh, let's say, some popular uh, entertainer, I don't know who's popular today. Who's a popular entertainer today? A popular singer, a popular movie star. I don't even know who these people are anymore. Sometimes I come back to the States and... uh, People say something, I go, I don't know anything about that. They go, what, have you been living under a rock? And I go, yeah, if only you knew, you know. (laughs) But imagine if they put on the radio that some popular entertainer was going to be down here uh, at, at Tim Hortons and was going to be signing autographs. How many people would show up just to be close to that entertainer? You had some of that with Jesus. They already heard about Jesus. Boy, they want to go over and see that guy. Yeah, if President Trump throws a rally, a whole bunch of us go line up, stand up. Be out there, and we're not even allowed to be close to the stage. All the guys with concealed carry permits have to leave them in the car. But you'll, go, you'll do that, go in and see the president. Is that not true? You know it's true. People come for all kinds of reasons. They came to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some people come because of scandal. You want to see church populations swell? Have a big scandal in your church and make it public. You'll have a bunch of people show up just because they want to see the scandal, especially if it's a screaming, yelling scandal where the deacons are trying to whack the preacher and the preacher's whacking them right back. Well, everyone wants to see that. Huh? If the pianist is pulling hair with the choir director, man, everyone wants to see that, wants to hear that, that big gossip. That was happening in Jesus' time too. You know, everywhere he went, the Pharisees were disputing with him. Jesus was saying bold comments, calling them serpents and and, and sepulchers full of dead men's bones. That was scandalous. Well, people wanted to see that. They came for all kinds of reasons. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, our Dominicans, they'll come for all kinds of reasons. A lot of times they come just because there's nothing else going on. We go up into that ravine, that, that area is called Retel, that gorge that we go up into in Haiti. When we go up into Retel, listen, there's no electric up there. There's not even any roads up there. You're walking in there. You're gonna, the very best, if you're going to have transportation, you're getting a mule. No motorcycles can get up there, no trucks, no cars, nothing can get up there but people on foot. And when you get up there, there's no electric, there are no cell phone towers, uh, there, there's, you know, there's nothing going on. There's no roller rink, there's no cable TV, uh, there, there's no restaurants, there's nothing. And so when I go in there with a the generator and run a big long string of lights and set up a sound system, we carry all that stuff in there on mules, carrying all the fuel on mules and we start running the lights and playing the music, people come because there just ain't nothing else going on. But sometimes they come for that. You know what? I'm happy. They're going to come. They're going to hear the gospel, and they love to sing. Boy, they sing. Actually, I have to make a rule that we're only going to sing for a certain amount of time. Then we have the church service. Then they can sing till the generator runs out of gas. And when, the gener- when all the lights go off, okay, church's over. And if I don't do that, they'll just keep on singing and singing, and we run out of gas for the end of the week. And the gas got to come in by mule, so you don't want to do that, you know. So, so some people come for that. Some people, down where we are, they come because the electricity's on. I mean, because the electricity's off. When the electricity goes off, we got standby power at the church. So now they can't do their wash, they can't watch TV, their fan ain't working. Now, now the electric's off, but they know the electric's on at the church. So the electricity's on at the church, I'll go down to the church. There's lights, there's fans, and there's something happening here. I just gotta set in the dark, no fan, no TV, I can't do wash, I can't do anything because I'm in the dark. The electricity's off, so I'll go to church. My wife will tell you when the electricity's off, church church attendance goes up. Is that not true, hon? You know that's true. Church attendance goes up when electric goes. Matter of fact, if the electric goes off twenty minutes into church, we have a whole bunch more people come show up at church. I've been trying to find out which transformer I can shoot holes in before every church service. Man, we'll we'll call that transformer visitation. Some people come to church for the Internet. You know, a lot of churches have Internet now. And down there where we are, we put Internet in one church. I haven't put it in no more because I've found out i got to go. If we're going to have church, i got to unhook the Internet because everybody sits around fooling around on the Internet while we're supposed to be in church, messing around, goofing off act like they can't live without their phone they've lived without it all their life and 10 minutes after they get it can't live without the stupid thing some people come to church for their boyfriends or their girlfriends they do that here in the USA too including adults they get sweet on somebody all of a sudden they're going to be at church You'll we'll be, going be near that person that's going to church make them think I'm a good person they go for their boyfriend or their girlfriend some people down where we are they go to church to charge their phone you know got to charge up your phone there's a bunch of wall outlets over here and some of them don't have electric or they're sharing electric with their neighbors or their electric's off. So they go down to church and you go to our church, you in a church service. Every wall, it's got phones plugged into it. There's phones everywhere. You got to watch where you step. They plug them up and they leave them laying on the floor. But that's what they come to church for. Why did you come to church today? Some people come to church for the bathroom. You think, you think that's silly? Listen, we have flush toilets in the church a lot of those people live in these little communities where they have six little rooms with a bathroom at the end and I promise you you don't want to go in that bathroom and it's not a flush bathroom it's a latrine and it stinks and it's dirty and everybody's using it and nobody's caring if it's clean or dirty and so they know they can come to church and they can go into the bathroom and so they'll go into the bathroom and there's a clean porcelain toilet and there's toilet paper and there's water and, and they I, I don't know what they do during the rest of the week but apparently they hold it till they come to church that's not a joke they come to church because we have bathrooms, amen! I buy the cheapest little rolls of toilet paper I can, because a lot of them, you know, they're poor. And, and uh, believe it or not, I'm not trying to be gross or anything, but you know, toilet paper is pretty handy when you need toilet paper, <laughs> you know, just one of those things that's actually nice to have when you need it. And so they come and they'll go into the bathroom and they take their hand, they roll a bunch of toilet paper, stick it in their pockets so they have some for later. So I don't buy a whole lot of toilet paper. I, don't, I put a fresh roll in there, and it's gone every service, whole roll. So I don't put the big rolls in there. But a lot of people, they just come to church because we have a bathroom. Some people come to church for a free ride because we have a deal. where Now, we do pick up some people and bring them to church. We have a church van, and uh, we, we pick up some people. But some people, they'll ride to church in the church van because it's only two blocks away from where they want to go get some three quarters of the way there you know and they walk in they say hi to everybody and before we get along very far in the service they get up and go out because they weren't really coming to church they were going somewhere over there and we got them most of the way there for free or they come to church because when they want to go home and because i tell them if you get to church we'll take you home everyone that gets to church we'll make sure everybody gets home and so they'll get to church and when we go to leave church they go well no no i'm not going down there where i live i'm going over here in this other community And and sometimes it's not in our normal route. And I'm like, well, how far are you going? Because I'm not driving you to Santiago, okay? You didn't come to church to get a ride to Santiago. Where are you going to go? But they come to church for a free ride. People come to church for all kinds of things. People came to Jesus for all kinds of things. Why did you come to church? Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Why are you here today? Americans come to church for all kinds of other reasons, too. That's right. And you all know it's true. People come to church for all kinds of things. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why are you here? I'll tell you some of the reasons. Some people come to church just to see other people. It's not hard. If you're sitting up front, it's not hard to spot them people. People sitting there on the end of the pew, and everybody walks by, they're looking at their shoes. Looking at their hair. Hmm. Sometimes you even see them do that. Hmm look at that hair why that old dragon wouldn't look pretty no matter what yeah I want to look at other people I had a guy one time that worked for me almost all summer this young guy his name was Ken Old and he told me don't pay me till the end of the summer it was on church construction down in the mountains of Haiti out in a remote area difficult area to get to and uh, he worked for me all summer he said don't pay me till the end of the summer and uh, at that time I remember we were paying three dollars a day that's what we were paying in Haiti at that time three US dollars a day was equivalent. With, I was paying him in local money, but the equivalent was three dollars a day, and that was a good wage. And he was working. Don't pay me till the end of the summer. So at the end of the project, I paid him off. He jumped on the first uh, little local public transportation that was going into the capital. He went into the capital and he come back with this awesome looking pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> that was his whole reason for working all summer. And he was so proud. And you see them guys, you know, like that. We got that here too. We were walking around church like, "How y'all doing today?" <laughs> Hey, it's good to see you. We'll make sure everybody sees in boots. Oh, we do that too. Okay, sometimes sometimes we're not that that blatant, but we do. I'll tell you when it. I'll tell you when it does get very, uh, very overt. You know when it gets very overt is when a girl gets engaged and she gets that ring. Is that not true? And so then she's gonna come. She might not have been to church for six weeks. But that man gets down and asks her to marry her, and, and ask him. It "Ask her to marry him," and gives that ring. And she's in church next Sunday, saying, "Hi, everybody! No kidding! How are you? Oh my goodness!" And I make sure everybody see that ring. Is that not true? You know that's true. Some people come to church just to see other people. Some people come to church just to be seen. Why did you come to church today? jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost things they know different today than they were in Matthew, in mark chapter 5 tons of people come around jesus they all want to be around jesus some people want to see the scandal some people want to hear the gossip some people really want to come to jesus and change why'd you come to church today i'll tell you why christians come to church some people just come for the social interaction that's their social circle I knew a guy told me one time, he was, he was faithful in church. I, I've seen him many times, and I, I asked him about his testimony. He said, oh, no, I'm not a Christian. I said, what? He said, no, I'm not a Christian. You're not a Christian, but you come here faithfully. Yeah, yeah, I come here faithfully, and I, I listen to the preacher and everything, but I'm not a Christian. I've never uh, made a decision to be converted and, and receive Christ. You haven't? Well, why not? Well, I, I don't know if I'll ever do that, you know, but I haven't yet. Well, then why do you come? He said, well, these are nice people. I'm gonna hang out with people. I'd rather hang out with the people that are clean people, nice people. They're friendly. I'm not worried about them stealing from me. I'm worried about them breaking in my house. You know, they're not criminals. These are good people. Those are the kind of people I wanna hang out with. And a lot of you guys here, even people right here, you got your own social circle and uh, you might go hunting with these guys or fishing with these guys or you have coffee with these ladies uh, uh, three or four times a month and you talk on the phone every day and this is your social circle but what's going on in here is not what was going on with Jesus he came to seek and to save that which was lost why are you here? some people just come out of habit that's what I do Sunday I get up I go to church that's what you do You're going to come to church. That's going to be your habit. Matter of fact, some of the people that that's their habit, they're the ones that are here when the snow's on, when the ice is on, when the building's falling down. That's your habit. You're going to be there no matter what. Just a habit. It's easy to form a habit. Now, it's hard to break a habit. It's easy to form a habit. Some people just get in the habit of going to church. That's just their routine behavior. That's just what they're going to do. and It do not necessarily mean anything to them. Some people come to church for business contacts. Oh, yeah, you've seen that. This church here seen that. You know, some people get very. The church wants to go into a building program. Watch and see if fifteen building contractors don't join the church. Yeah, that's true. Got those business contacts. You're going to do business. You do business with the guy in the church. The guy who's a printer. All the all the people in the church they go and take their printing to him. Huh? The guy who's a carpenter. Well, you're in church now. You need some carpenter to work done. That's who you call. They're business contacts. Some people. That's why they go to church. Why'd you come to church today? Some people go to church because Sunday is the spiritual highlight of their life. Now, I would say to you that sometimes that Sunday morning service sometimes should be the spiritual highlight of your life. But if Sunday morning is always the spiritual highlight of your life, there's something wrong in your Christian life. That's a fact. There better be some other highlights going on through the week. There better be some other highlights in your life. But some people come because it's like getting that spiritual high. Got to go down to church. Got to get that spiritual adrenaline going. You ought to be praying every day, reading every day, thinking spiritually every day, having that attitude of prayer. You ought to be thinking like Jesus came because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did you come to church today? The Bible tells us what our attitude is supposed to be. Because Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then He said this, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so, how so? To seek and to save that which was lost. Even so, send I you. You ought to be coming to this church so you can prepare yourself that when you walk out that door, you can seek and save that which was lost. If you need to change, get out of sin, if you need to learn more about the Bible, if you need to be strengthened spiritually, if you need to be encouraged, whatever that thing is, it ought to be with the determination that you came here So that you can seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said it very clearly. I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now see, I can preach mean because I'm leaving town tomorrow. Amen? The fact of the matter is I don't walk with you every day in your lives. I don't see you every day. I don't know the local church gossip. Nobody calls me up and says, Did you know what brother so-and-so did? Did you hear what brother sister so-and-so said? I don't have any of that. So this is really just between me, you, and the Lord right now. You know why you're here today. And when we leave here today, you need to realize that you go out of here for the same purpose that Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as the Father has sent me, even so... Send I you. I might not have named the reason why you came to church. Maybe you come to church for the right reason. Maybe you came to church for the wrong reason. When you go out of these doors, what will be the reason that you go out? Over and above just going to dinner or going home. We don't live here for ourselves. I could take you to verse after verse. We're all familiar with the, with the great commission in Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Or if we wanted to go over to Mark 6, 6, uh, 16, 15, and, and to, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's got to be our central motivation of everything we do, including why did you come here today? Mark chapter 5, they were there. They were there. Two people came looking for change. We need to have a heart and soul to seek and to save those that are lost right here in Flushing, in Schwartz Creek, in Flint, in Burton, in all these towns around us, to seek and to save that which was lost. And our church services need to be preparing our hearts for that. Like I said, whether it's getting rid of sin. Whether it's being encouraged, whether it's learning more about the Bible, we need to change our attitudes that we are here for the same reason that Jesus came, to seek and to save that which is lost. You know what helps me as a missionary in another country is when people in a church just like this church have a burden for lost souls right here. Because if you don't have a burden for the lost souls of that guy right across the street that guy right across the fence, if you don't have a burden for that person you work with, if you don't have a, for your fa- a burden for your family who lives down the street that you see uh, several times a month, if you don't have a burden for their lost soul, that burden will never reach across the sea and touch me. But if you have a burden to seek and to save that which was lost that God has put right here in front of you, That burden will reach all the way to where I am in the town of Harbacoa. That burden will reach all the way up in those remote gorges in Haiti where we go. Because the purpose of Jesus was to seek and to save that which was lost, and that's what He sends us to do. So that question still remains. Why did you come to church today? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, please. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed, please. Let's stand. We're going to have some music. We're going to be singing. And I'm going to pray for you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe this morning the Lord convicted your heart. Maybe you're not coming to church for the right reason. Maybe you don't have that burden to seek and to save that which was lost. Maybe you know that the purpose that you come doesn't correspond with the purpose that Jesus came and you want to change that this morning. Pastor, I know that I need to have a different attitude. Pastor, I know that I need to do something different. I need to prepare myself to go out of here and to seek and save that which was lost. I need to come to church because I want to be prepared to win souls to Jesus Christ. Will you pray for me? Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Preacher, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning about something. Amen. Amen. I see him. Amen. Anybody else this morning? I see him. Amen. Possibly you're here this morning and you're not even saved. You're not even sure that you'd go to heaven if you die. Listen, we're here for you this morning. We want you to pray and receive Jesus Christ. And if you're not sure of your salvation this morning, we'd love to have someone pray with you at this altar and show you from God's Word how you can be sure that you're going to heaven, that you have forgiveness and eternal life if you're here this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed you're just not sure that you're saved and you'd like me to pray for you would you raise your hand for me this morning let me pray for you this morning anybody at all let me pray for you all right i'm going to pray i'm going to pray and after i pray we're going to begin to sing we're going to have the invitation open if the lord's dealing with your heart come down to this altar and make that decision that the holy spirit has impressed upon your heart heavenly father we saw many hands raised this morning Father, we see in Your Word that even as Jesus walked this earth, there were many who came uh, to look and to hear and to walk and to be there among all those people. Not many of those people were there for the right reason. Lord, we still see that in our world today. You told us You came with that burden to win the lost. God, please impose that burden upon our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that You will work with the conviction of the Holy Spirit specifically in the hearts and lives of those who have raised their hands. God, I pray this morning that You will bring them to Your altar. God, I pray this morning that they will pray and make a decision for You this morning. Lord, I ask this morning that, that uh, You will allow us to evaluate our hearts, shine the light of the Word of God into our hearts, that we'll look at our motives, Lord, that we'll look at our, our reasons for being. Or don't let us be just creatures of habit where we just accept our Christian lives by default. Lord, please, let us be intentional and specific that we're trying to do things to please You and trying to change our lives in a way that's pleasing to You so that we can reach the loss for Christ. Lord, I pray that You put Your spirit of conviction in this crowd this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The invitation's open. Song says, Have thine own way, Lord. invitation's open. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, don't resist him. invitation's still open. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Come down here and look for that burden to seek and to save that which was lost.
1: thank you so much for um, your word. Lord, thank you for the question that was asked of us this morning as to why we come and gather together while we come to church. Father, I pray that uh, we would come out of a heart of love for you and wanting to be together with the body of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that we'd come because we love you. We want to hear your word want to be taught by our Lord and Savior, Lord, that we might be more like him, that he might live his life through us, that um, his passion, his desire, his purpose would be our purpose and our passion and our desire. Father, I do pray that your Holy Spirit would weigh our hearts this morning and that we would be honest with him. And Lord, I pray that. Baptist Church, that we'd be a church that would gather for the right reason, and uh, thank you for your, your conviction in our hearts this morning, and your encouragement and clarity. I pray these things in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We do have uh, the deacons recommend for church membership this morning, uh, several, so I'm going to read your name.